Thank you for downloading a very unique edition of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball. I am Damian Barling. I am so happy that you are here. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and for listening wherever you may be at. If you're on Apple iTunes, if you're on Google Play, Spotify, if you're on iHeartRadio, radio.com, wherever you are, we are certainly happy to have you. Uh, make sure you scri- subscribe, rate, and review the show. We don't want you to miss a single episode as the season gets closer and closer. I got a text from Matt George, the host of the Locked on Kings podcast. Kings fans, I'm sure you're uh, quite familiar with that one. He was like, hey, why don't you come on be a guest on the show? I was like, hey, that's, that's not a bad idea. Why don't we... We just record it on each end and post it to the podcast and let people get a listen to this. Matt had some questions about uh, Harry Giles and, and a number of other storylines surrounding the Sacramento Kings season. So let's get into that. Matt George, take us away. This is Matt George from the Lock on Kings podcast, joined by Damian Barling from the Sacramento Kings podcast with Hoop Ball. D-Lo and I are going to be having a conversation today about Harry Giles, who is, of course, a fan favorite, beloved here in Sacramento already. A fantastic story in the NBA, really a redemption story and battling back from injury. But is Harry Giles a little too overhyped? and has a realistic expectation of what Harry Giles can do for the Sacramento Kings immediately and in the future. Has that line been blurred a little bit? We'll discuss that today as Damian Barling joins me. Damian, uh, so good to talk to you, my friend. Harry Giles is just such a polarizing player. I think his value alone and the the interest in him alone is going to make this already exciting season coming up more uh, than watchable. Well, I think there's a number of things that are really like exciting this year. We saw the jump that De'Aaron Fox made from year one to year two. He spent some time with USA Basketball, now headed into year three. He's been around guys like Kimball Walker and Donovan Mitchell, and we'll you know along with another uh, a number of other high profile players. So there's there's that dynamic. There's the Marvin Bagley dynamic. I've made the argument recently that just due to the position. There's a high probability Marvin Bagley might be an all-star before De'Aaron Fox is, just because it might be easier for him to get in onto the Western Conference team. And then I think if you if you rank uh, things to follow or exciting things to watch, Harry Giles might be third on the list. And part of that is you said he's a polarizing player. He's kind of a I it's it's hard not to get wrapped up into everything that you hear about him because we just haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, you know, he sat what was it like the last like 10 or 11 games last year. And, you know, we, we saw him, you know, play. I don't, I don't know what his exact averages were. I would guess it was maybe around 15 minutes per game, 15, 16 minutes per game last year. And, you know, we've heard so much about him coming in. And we heard, you know, we've heard from his, his college coaches. We've heard from guys that scouted him saying, oh, yeah, he was the most talented high school player I've ever seen. And then we saw shades of that, you know, dynamic athletic ability that he has and so yeah it's it's, it's one of the uh, several exciting storylines for the Sacramento Kings headed into this year. Harry Giles played 58 games for the Kings last year averaged 14 minutes per game seven points also just under four rebounds and 1.5 assists although I don't think those numbers tell the full story 
of what Harry Giles did last year, Damian, because the beginning of the season really was a struggle for him, especially with his ability to stay on the floor uh, defensively. He just looked lost, was getting yeah. into foul trouble, to guarding with his hands more than with his feet. Uh, was sent down to the G League, played a game or two down there with the Stockton Kings, got his confidence back up. Uh, he came back to the NBA, and then he had a stretch before he got hurt towards the, the latter half of the season. And I'm sure you remember this, where he was getting consistent minutes, especially alongside uh, Marvin Bagley. And we were seeing the passing ability that we heard so much about. We were seeing his aggressiveness and willingness to uh, attack the glass on both the offensive and defensive end of the floor. And he was showing a little bit of his scoring ability. So really a tale of two Harry Giles's, uh last season. But you mentioned the people that have really built this Harry Giles hype train persona. And another guy... Uh, I don't know if you just mentioned, if you did, I apologize. Vince Carter, when Vince Carter was here in Sacramento, Vince had a lot of phenomenal things uh, to say about Giles, having seen Giles practice and working hard uh, in the uh, the practice facility, but not getting the chance to actually play for the Kings, his unofficial uh, rookie season. How much do you think just Vince Carter's endorsement alone uh, elevated his uh, Harry Giles' stock? Well, it wasn't just Vince Carter, though. It was all of the other veterans that were here because, you know, Vince Carter, you know, giving his endorsement on on Harry Giles is similar to what Garrett Temple did when we would have him on the show uh, every week. He he was actually one the the one who really caused us to start asking questions. I think we nicknamed we nicknamed Harry Giles that year the Black Panther because it was the year the movie was coming out and. We, it was just so much hype. We had kept hearing about the Black Panther. We had kept hearing the, about the Black Panther. And then it was after about four or five weeks of talking to Garrett Temple where he would keep bringing up what Harry Giles was doing in practice that we started to call Harry Giles the Black Panther because all of the hype that was surrounded around him, we're like, man, is he going to be able to live up to this? So we started asking Doug Christie questions, and Doug would tell us what it was like being in the gym and watching Harry Giles you know, work out or practice. You know, Because remember, there was a stretch where – he was just working out, and then there was a stretch where he was going through, you know, five-on-five five practices that rookie year before they decided, or after they had decided they were not going to play him in a single game throughout the season. So I think having those, and remember Zach Randolph was there as well, having those veterans, you know, around there to not just help you but to root for you, yeah, I absolutely think there's there's something to that. When you have a Hall of Famer, the caliber of Vince Carter, probably – you know, arguably one of the most beloved figures currently in the NBA. Like, yeah, that's that's certainly going to be a positive for you. We can't question Harry Giles' work ethic. We know he's a gym rat. We know he's working hard on his game, also in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the actual gym itself, lifting weights, bulking up, doing what he needs to do to become an effective NBA player at his position. But I think one of the things that's fair to question, Damien, and this isn't really Harry Giles' fault, but – has the spotlight been placed too brightly on him and has too much weight been put on his shoulders right away with the endorsements from his coaches, from scouts, and from his teammates, including the veterans? Has that put expectations, especially from fans, uh, too heavy on Harry Giles, who's still just trying to get his legs and get used to playing basketball consistently again after his catastrophic injuries? No. No, because I think you're looking at it through the microscope of Sacramento. And I think the pressure greatly intensifies when you have uh, national writers and national talk shows and all of, you know, the jump and all of these different, you know, places where we gather NBA information, information from when they're talking about you, then yeah, maybe you could say, Oh man, this, this has got to be a lot for this young man who probably just wants to get back and, you know, play more than 15 minutes per game. 
Uh, but right now, the focus of that conversation is on De'Aaron Fox and, and, and Marvin Bagley. Uh, here in Sacramento, yeah, like, we're the people who see him every day. We're the people who, who you know, listen to the Locked on Kings podcast, and we listen to the Sacramento Kings podcast, and we listen to this Kings podcast, and the Royal Pain podcast, and the Sac Royalty, and, you know, we, we consume as much information on our team as we possibly can. So we see and we talk a lot more about Harry Giles than anybody else does. And as a professional athlete, by the way, I'm guessing, and I certainly don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing he invites this conversation. Like he wants to be a part of the conversation because last year, you know, you just talked about the inconsistencies at the uh, beginning of the season, Matt, and it wasn't until game 37 where he started playing consistently. Like there were games when you pull up his game log, you'll see, Oh, he played one game for two minutes. He played one game for one minute. And then he didn't play one game for the next three minutes. He didn't play a single game for the next three games. Uh, He didn't play a single minute for the next three games. And you could see that all throughout the start of the season. And to refer back to a conversation we had with Garrett Temple again, there are a few things more frustrating for an athlete than that. Like guys want to know their role. They want to know, Hey, I need to know what my coach and what my team wants from me on a night to night basis. And I would argue there through the first better part of the first half of the season, Dave Yeager wasn't really sure what he wanted from Harry Giles. And when you're Harry Giles and you know, I don't know what my coaches want for me. I don't know what I can give my teammates. I don't even know if I'm going to be playing tonight. Hell, I might be sitting down to Stockton by the time the game is over. So, you know, I, I, again, I think professional athletes invite, you know, that type of pressure, Uh, but no, I don't think it's, I I don't think the voices are too loud right now because again, that's through the microscope of Sacramento. And I think you can easily shut that out. It's when you, it's when you can't get away from it. It's like when your friends, you know, where, where Harry's from are texting him or his family members, you know, from 10 States away are texting him like, Hey, you know, Rachel Nichols was just talking about you or Mike Wilbon was talking about you or Bill Simmons was talking about you on the, on his podcast, Adrian Wojnarowski referenced you on his podcast. I don't think that that's happening right now for him. We're focused on him because we're possessive. Like you know, this Kings fans are possessive of of their players. And Harry Giles, that's that's our guy, and we're invested. You just mentioned the comeback story and the redemption. Like we're invested in all of that because we knew the flyer that Vlade Divac took on him. We knew the story. We got all of the background from all of the key you know components, and now we're rooting for him. Now we're invested in it. You brought up his inconsistent play time and uh, his really lack of a role early on in the season, which is a, a great point. And theoretically, it's something that should no longer be an issue for Harry. I, I put a looming question mark behind that because there are uh, uh, plenty of pieces at the center and power forward positions that potentially stand in his way, and it's going to be a battle for minutes. But one thing we know for a fact, Damien, is that the, the Kings are hoping and believing that Harry Giles is going to be their center of the future, hence the reason why they brought in um, uh, the the bigs that they did to sign uh, team-friendly deals with uh, non-guaranteed, non-fully-guaranteed final years of those contracts. The hope is that Harry Giles will be able uh, to step into that center role eventually and be that starter and be the final piece to this King starting five that's all uh, but put together is that something that you think he's earned at this point? Is it just wishful thinking from the organization? And does he still have a, a significant amount of time uh, to reach that potential in your in your mind? 
Well, he has the time, but are you asking me if he's earned the starting center position? No, not necessarily. Has he earned the confidence from the Kings organization themselves to say, yeah, we want to give him all the opportunities oh. in the world? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, 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 definitely. I think he's earned he's earned the opportunity for sure. But, you know, you mentioned the number of bigs that the Kings have. As we talked about storylines a few minutes ago with, with, with De'Aaron and, and Marvin Bagley – Minute distribution is going to be a fascinating thing to watch this year because of, yeah. you know, the, the, the free agent acquisitions. And, again, you, you believe, at least I believe, the team is, is built around De'Aaron, Marvin Bagley, and Buddy Heald. Now, how does Harry Giles fit into that? And it's one of the, it's one of the cold realities that I don't think Kings fans really like to talk about. But we, De'Aaron's going to hit. Like, in my opinion, De'Aaron is 100% going to hit. And, I mean, he's going to hit to the level of, not just an NBA all-star, but I believe he's going to be an NBA superstar. He's going to be known throughout, if he's not already, he's going to be known uh, throughout the league and and more specifically uh, around amongst, you know, fan bases in the league. Uh, Marvin Bagley, I think, is going to hit an all-star level as well. But now we're starting to talk about, well, if this guy hits and if this guy hits and if this guy hits. Okay, well, Buddy's on the verge of an extension, probably a very, very comfortable near-max extension. We believe that De'Aaron is going to get that here at some point. We'll see what Marvin Bagley does in his second year. And we start to talk about, well, if this all works out for Harry Giles and uh, and he earns the starting five position, one, Vlade is going to go down as one of the greatest general managers that has ever existed. Two, the only other team that I can think of that has done that through the draft and I know Buddy was through a trade, but he was still, you know, young enough in his in his deal to be, you know, be a rookie rookie player, rookie deal player. Are the Golden State Warriors, and the right. Golden State Warriors, you know, they have been, you know, they they are they are flirting with, you know, an an incredible uh, salary cap and luxury tax and all of that stuff. But you can justify it because they've won championships. So if we're talking about, well, if Harry Giles hits and he winds up becoming the starting three, or excuse me, the starting five, and we believe that, you know, De'Aaron hits and Bagley hits, and it's like, woo! I hope the Kings have won a championship in here somewhere because where is all this money going to come from? And it's a conversation that I recently had on a podcast with Aaron Bruski was, can you go over, you know, can you be a non-playoff team in the luxury tax? Because that could be, you know, that could be a reality that the Sacramento Kings are facing. That could be a reality that a 45-win Sacramento Kings team is facing when these extensions come due that they haven't quite broken through in the playoffs, but they've got to get these guys locked up long-term. And I know that I'm not directly answering your question. I just, we always point to, well, if this works out and if this works out and if this works out, the Kings better be winning ball games. You know, and I guess the, I guess the belief is if all of it works out, they absolutely are. But when we're talking about a fourth player coming off of a rookie deal working out, we're going to have to start talking about this team winning championships. It's a cold reality that there's a guy on this team that the Kings love that won't be here in a couple of years. And I don't know if it's Harry. I don't know if it's Bogdan Bogdanovich. I don't believe it's De'Aaron or Marvin. I, I, it, it's, it's almost certainly one of those two. It's, and I've always believed it's Bogey because of the value he's going to have throughout the league. But Vladdy's done a really good job so far. He's not going to be able to, if, if he has done as good of a job as we think that he has, he's not going to be able to keep everybody. And 
if Harry works out at five, there's a very good chance that they have to trade him. You know what I mean? So to to go back to your original question again, it's a podcast, so it's a long-winded way of answering your question. Has he earned the opportunity? Sure, because I don't think there's anyone in front of him that is like, whoa, this guy is way better than Harry Giles. Like, Harry's going to get his minutes, but the but the kind of the distribution and, and really remember Luke Walton is a new coach here. He's going to be working with the roster that he didn't work with last year. So the, the distribution with, with minutes between, you know, Deadman and the other bigs on the team, that's going to be a story to follow. And we're going to get a, a feel probably pretty early in the season uh, where the Sacramento Kings are going to be going with Harry Giles for the rest of the year. Well, let me get your input on this, D'Lo, because this is a conversation that I had earlier on this week on a a podcast here with Locked on Kings. And we were discussing the contract extensions looming for Buddy Heald. And then, of course, Bogdan Bogdanovich's deal is coming up as well. And in a perfect world, Vlade and the Kings would retain the two of them. But it seems like the Kings are are setting their plate. We know uh, that a max extension for De'Aaron Fox is, is going to be coming at some point. Uh, barring any kind of catastrophic injury or anything like that. Uh, we can assume the same uh, for Marvin Bagley, and those two paired up with the deal that we're expecting Buddy Heald to get is, is expected to take over 60% of the salary cap. So it seems like the Kings are hoping uh, that they can also do another thing that the Golden State Warriors did, and that's bring in role players uh, like Andre Iguodala, for example, that could have gotten more money elsewhere but elected to take less money to stick around because they knew it was, one, a dynasty that they were building, and two, uh, it was camaraderie for camaraderie's sake. So maybe uh, the Kings, Vlade Divac specifically, are, are trying to gamble on the idea that Bogdan Bogdanovich would rather take less money to stay in Sacramento to be the sixth man for this future group uh, and maybe same thing with Harry Giles in the years down the road, uh, rather than uh, go and, and get their max money on the open market. But again, like you're saying, a lot of that relies on you winning games pretty quickly here. Yeah, I mean, not just games. You've got to win games to get to the playoffs. You've got to win games in the playoffs, and you have to really be pushing yourselves to be you know, in the conference finals and, and, and in, the, in the NBA finals because at some point you can't you – can't Hey guys, just because like the fans like them, you, you have to come up with a formula. It's, it, you know, J- Jason Ross and I used to refer to this as the J will problem. The fans love Jason Williams and Jason Williams was good for the Sacramento Kings, but it was important to move him because you got a player who, who served that role a little bit better in Mike Bibby. And we saw that, well, that ultimately, you know, took them. It's, you know, I, I'm anxious, you know, you mentioned Bogey and, and what his contract might look like coming up pretty soon. I'm really anxious to see him because I, I sometimes forget, you know, in the rough year that he had last year, he started the season injured. And yeah. it's difficult, you know, for any player who, you know, starts the season injured because now you're just, you're constantly trying to catch up and you never can because you might take step, you might take three steps forward, but you're ultimately going to wind up taking five steps back because you've got a back-to-back or you've got three games in five nights or whatever the case may be. And you never fully get right. And we've seen what he's able to do with international ball over the, the course of this world cup. And I've tried to caution people that the international game and the NBA game are different and it's fun to watch. It's fun to see what bogey's doing. It's fun to see what Nemanja Belalitsa is doing, but this isn't the NBA game. The one, the one thing that has really put everything I've seen from Bogdan Bogdanovich on pause is, oh man, he had a really good first year. He started the second year injured. What could he be here in this third year? 
after we saw him coming off of the World Cup. I want to go back to Harry Giles and his battle for minutes that he's going to be having. And, and competition is always good. Uh, and they say it's a good problem to have uh, for an NBA head coach or a head coach in any sport to have so many good players that it's tough to find minutes for. But that can also be a cliche in a lot of ways. And I know you understand that because uh, part of being a coach, especially in, in the modern NBA, is keeping players happy. Uh, and it's, it's hard to do that when you can only give them so many minutes, which was an issue that Dave Yeager ran into. Uh, but I think it's safe to assume, I mean, it's safe to say that Marvin Bagley is a lock at that starting four. So the other players that are in Harry Giles' way are lining up in the front court alongside him, Nemanja Bialica, Rashawn Holmes, and then, of course, uh, Dwayne Dedman, two of those three are uh, new free agency signings that the Kings brought in this summer. How many of those three, if any, would you say Harry Giles is definitively ahead of for a rotational spot? Because honestly, I could make a case for all of them to have uh, possible more minutes than Harry, at least right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, gosh, that's tough. Deadman is out. Like, Deadman's the one. Like, of those four yep. that you're referencing right there, Deadman's the one. I don't know. No, Nemanja's fascinating. I don't know. Like, he had moments where it was like, wow, what a free agent pickup by Vlada here. Like, this is this is a sneaky, dope signing. And then all of a sudden, it was like, will you get this dude off of the floor? And so, like, it, it, he had, like, a tale of – he was just all over the place last year, and it felt like he – and I don't know – I don't recall him being injured last year, but it felt like he started out the season really, really, really strong and then just died. Just yep. just dead. Like, hey – Belly up to use a play on words there, but uh, that's difficult, man. It, it, I don't know where Rashawn Holmes role in this. I know he is incredibly energetic. He's credit incredibly dynamic and athletic, but I feel like Harry is too. So I, I feel like if you're ranking them in, in, you know, I'm, I'm sure Luke Walton and his coaching staff have to do something like this and they'll do something like this when training camp gets underway here in a couple of weeks, but you, you know, you slot Deadman at one, and then, you know, you kind of work from there. And those three, their, their preseasons are huge. Because imagine, you know, we slot, oh, you know, Rashawn Holmes, we think he's the guy, and then maybe it's Harry Giles, and, you know, Nemanja Bilalitz is kind of, you know, he's, he's kind of playing from behind here in the conversation. But Rashawn Holmes get hurts during, gets hurt during training camp. Or, you know what I mean, or gets hurt really early in the season. Or perhaps training camp starts and, and, and one of those guys doesn't impress. Luke Waltner impressed that coaching staff. So my feeling is Deadman right now in, in, in the coaching staff's, you know, setup without ever stepping on the floor is they've got Deadman there first in terms of where the minutes are going to go. And then I, I mean, it's a cheap way of answering your question, but I still think it's wide open. Uh, if you force me to rank them, gosh, that's tough. I, I just, cause, cause belly is just so confusing. I, f I feel yeah. like maybe uh, I don't know. I feel like I'd still put Harry above the other two, not like like way above. Just like just it, it, you know, just a notch. Just like hey, this is this is what I'm thinking. Like if I have to write it down on paper right now, that's probably how I would write it. Would be uh, Deadman first, and then probably Harry Giles, and then honestly, I'd probably put Holmes third. And and Belly's got a lot. He's got a lot to show me this upcoming season. If I'm a coach, I don't think you could. I honestly don't think you could have answered the question any better, or if I could have answered the question any better, because it is such a crapshoot. It's interesting that you put Harry Giles above both 
uh, homes and the money be late. So I think a lot of that just has to do with the wishful thinking and the uh, the mm-hmm. hopes of the organization wanting to give him ample opportunity to show that he belongs and can be that starting center Definitely. of the future. I, I agree with you completely about Deadman. Yes, probably a lock for starting center. I haven't pegged to be the starting center, barring injury, for all 82 games this season. Uh, I just don't think Harry Giles is ready to work his way into the starting role that quickly. But I, I'm intrigued that you went with Nemanja Bielitsa. Your mind instantly went to him first out of all of them to take the dip because that's exactly where my mind went too. Even over Rashawn Holmes, I know uh, your colleague Aaron Bruski absolutely loves Holmes, yeah. uh, and the Kings desperately could have used a guy like Holmes last year because it was Holmes and. Uh, and players like that, that uh, energy hustle type of player that absolutely abused Willie Cauley-Stein and abused the Sacramento Kings uh, last year. So if I'm the Kings, i got to find a way to get playing time for him. The, the simplest way that I could think to put it, and it's not even that simple, but it just made sense in my head, is what is the one thing that Nemanja Bielita does best that the Kings brought him in to do as, as a big man, space the floor, and shoot the three? Well, theoretically, now Marvin Bagley is adding the three-point shot to his game. We saw that uh, start to emerge a little bit more towards the end of last season. Theoretically, Dwayne Dedman can hit that outside shot as well. Now, I don't think we're expecting Holmes or even Harry Giles to hit those shots, but the best thing that Nemanja Bielitsa did well last year that no other Kings big did, two others now theoretically do, which makes Bielitsa, to me, less valuable uh, for the Kings in that rotation. It makes the most sense that he, to me, is the guy that drops out, which is unfortunate because he can provide still, I think, a lot of good minutes and, and a lot of good offense that this team could use. Well, sure. And if you're, you know, if we, you know, we, we constantly are talking about players shooting the three here at this point, you also added, you know, I think you just mentioned this Trevor Ariza. So, yeah. you know, they're playing, you know, they're different positions, sure, but Trevor Ariza can shoot. You know what I mean? Like, so... It, Really, you, it's, it's, it's weighing the pros and cons, man. It's the difficulty of, you know, being a head coach. Like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, Nemanja's. Nemanja was probably a little bit better than I'm, I'm giving him credit for last year. It looks like it was around, looks like it was around game 40. So maybe the second half of the season, it feels like he completely fell off. But there was a stretch there where he's, I mean, 18, 12, 10, 11, 26, 19, 21, 19. And then it's after that 19-point game where it starts to get a little, okay, this is weird. He scores four, then he scores zero, and then there's 14. And he's kind of all over the place in terms of his scoring, and you could see his uh, field goal percentage kind of do something similar while his minutes, for the most part, are are pretty steady. Um, I used uh, the stat. This would be something worth looking up. Uh, And I know a number of, of, of Kings fans and and, and writers have have written about the the thirty plus minute stat for Marvin Bagley. I'm gonna guess the thirty plus minute stat for Nemanja is not far off. Like I'm just looking at the games that he's playing thirty minutes here, and he's you know he's a he's a double digit guy. He's approaching that twenty points. It just all changed in the second half of the season. Um, right. And then you know I, I watched Serbia play a couple of times at four o'clock in the morning you know, over the, the, the last week or so, and I can't look at that game the same. Like, I don't look at that and get excited. I saw people tweeting box scores of Jorgis Papianas, and it was like, stop it. Don't do not do that. Like, there's, he, there's a reason these guys are really good international players. The game's different. And, I, you know, I hope Nemanja Belalica is is something along the lines of what he has been uh, the last uh, couple of weeks here for Serbia. It's just I have, you know, two – Recollect, recollections of him 
the first 40 games and the second 40 games. And because, you know, if you, it, you, you could have the same exact sample size, Matt, and flip them around, and I'd think completely differently. Like, imagine if Nemanja stunk through the first 40 games, but was really, really good for the second 40. How would we be feeling headed into next season about Nemanja Bielitsa? We'd be feeling totally yeah. different. So it's, you know, the, the sample size would be exactly the same. It's just we would remember something more fondly. And I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm wrong on him. To be completely honest, I feel like I'm wrong on Belly, and he's going to be the wind-up. He's going to wind up being the one who maybe plays uh, Rashawn Holmes and, and Harry Giles out of the minutes a little bit. But I just remember what I saw at the end of last season. And it's all about what have you done for me lately. Mm-hmm. And Luke Walton has said that he wants this team to shoot a higher volume of threes. And Monte Bielitsa not afraid to do that. I'm also looking at his game log in front of me, D'Lo, and it's, it's interesting. I think Bielitsa also kind of ran into the Dave Yeager veteran treatment that we've seen over the last couple of years, and that was that they get a lot of run and a lot of opportunity early, but as he tries to work the youngins in a little bit more, as they, they gain more traction and gain more of Jaeger's trust, yeah. he takes the minutes away heavily immediately from his veteran bigs. We saw it with Zach Randolph going from one of the busiest and, and highest played players on the Kings to zero minutes last year, not even with the team. Same thing with Costa Kufos. Uh, Nemanja Bielitsa suffered that last year. So it's just an interesting trend that I wonder will, if it will continue uh, with Walton. Before we wrap up, I wanted to get this insight from you. If, if you were an advisor of Harry Giles, if you were in his ear, an assistant coach or anything like that, uh, what would you tell him or what would you be uh, emphasizing to him heading into this season that he really needs to focus on, try and iron down, uh, and what we should expect him to work on and, and, and show the most uh, throughout this 82-game season? Well, most of all, well, I'll get to that. Don't let anyone get in your head. Like, work on your game, do what you do, uh, and then study film. Because I think you mentioned this at the top of uh, our conversation was him being lost on defense so often. And that's just something that you, you know, you can't be. I mentioned Jorgis Papianis a, a few moments ago. Jorgis is honestly, and, I, and maybe, maybe this is hyperbole on my part, I can't remember another basketball player looking as lost as he did when he was out there. And he looked lost on both ends of the floor. With Harry, I would just tell Harry, like, you've got to be better defensively. I don't know if Luke Walton is a good defensive coach. I don't think he is, though, his Lakers team – particularly the young Lakers, the, the young pre-LeBron, pre-Rajon Rondo, pre-chemistry experiment Lakers of last year, they got a little bit better defensively every single year. So maybe it's not something he focuses on. Maybe he focuses on tempo. Maybe he focuses on shooting the three. But he seems to emphasize defense somewhere along the way to where his young players manage to get better. Uh, De'Aaron, I think, is going to be one of the better defending point guards in the league this, this year. So I would tell Harry, you know, if you really want to ultimately, you know, we, you said you had Dwayne Dedman slotted in for uh, as an 82-game starter, I'm with you there. And if you're, you know, in Harry Giles' ear and say, hey, you want to wrestle that away from him, hell, if I'm Luke Walton, because I think one of the things that could really help the Sacramento Kings if Luke Walton just tells you right before game one, you know, right, hey, training camp is done, we're getting ready for, who is it, Portland? 
in game one? Or Correct. Phoenix, uh, whoever, whoever Phoenix that first. Portland's home opener. Okay, so so you you're, you're getting ready for that first game. We shut down training camp, and it's like I'm going to pull each of you aside and tell you exactly what I expect from you. There's not going to be moments where you're out there, you're Nemanja Bilalitsa, you're playing great. I'm giving you a ton of minutes, and I'm just going to take it away because I want to see what Rashawn Holmes does. That's not going to happen because Rashawn Holmes has to earn his minutes. Nemanja Bilalitsa has to earn his minutes. And just the same, Harry Giles has to earn his minutes. And I'm, I'm Luke Walton and I'm pulling Harry aside. It's, I expect you to be better defensively because I expect our starting unit with Deadman and, and uh, De'Aaron and Harrison Barnes, those guys are going to be good defensively. Our second unit is going to be good defensively because we expect Trevor Ariza to kind of be the floor general out there on that side of the ball. If you want to take this starting spot, that's where you have to do it. We know how athletic you are. We know that you can get putbacks. We know that you can get rebounds. We know that you can shoot. But I need to see you perform on the other end, and that's what I think it's all about. He takes Dwayne Dedman's job at some point this year if he is better defensively. I think we're a long, long way from that, given, you know, just like I talked about Bill Elitza in the last 40 games, you know, we didn't see Harry for the last, like, 16, 17, something like that. And when we did, it was like, oh, okay, he got beat again. Like, oh, okay, he got beat again. And there were, but he's, you know, you talked about him being in the gym and working out. And I know everybody's favorite thing to do during the offseason is to, oh, so and so got bigger. Oh, look how buff Buddy Heald is. And like, it's cool. That happened to Harry during the season. <laughs> like, if I had a way to where I could, like, go back to game one and being on the floor and watching Harry Giles and Costa Kufus working out, and then fast forward to game 82 and seeing that same Harry Giles, maybe maybe it was my imagination. He looked significantly bigger. Like he looked like like his body morphed. Like those off-season transitions or those those off-season changes that you see uh, so often with really, really young players, I felt like we saw that with Harry during the season. And he's got the frame for it now, and he's going to be able to muscle guys around, and I think he's going to be able to be better physically, defensively. If he's smarter, oh, man, he's good to go. And that's, that's what I would tell him if I was Luke Walton or if I was uh, his trainer, if I was his agent, or if I was someone that was working with him. You get better defensively, that starting job is yours. Because his energy is there. Everything else that you want, right? Everything else you want right. from Harry Giles is there. Uh, Kings fans missed, you know, the, 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 what was the term that we kept hearing, Matt, when Amon Shumpert was gone? That swag is gone. That attitude is gone. That, that, that guy who will, you know, Patrick Beverly knocks over De'Aaron Fox, Amon Shumpert's going to be the first guy in his face. Well, now it's Harry. Harry's the guy that will do that. So everything that you want from, from a player, those tangibles, those intangibles that Kings fans absolutely love, Harry has all of them. He gets a little better on the, the defensive side of the ball. He's good to go. You brought up Harry's physical development, which I think is fascinating because we so often forget that these are young men. I mean, mm -hmm. they're in their, in their late teens, early 20s when they come into the league. They're still developing physically, yep. and they still have years of development to go. So I don't know why it should surprise us that we see them putting on muscle and putting on weight and getting stronger physically and visibly uh, throughout an NBA season. I, I agree with you there. I, I was going to wrap up, but I wanted to slip this last thing in because I was thinking about it while you were just uh, talking there, D'Lo. They want to give Harry Giles ample opportunity to prove that he can be an NBA starter, and they want to give him opportunity 
to show that he can be a, an anchor on the defensive end because clearly that's one of the things that he needs to work on. But also this year, to Vlade, to Walton, to Fox and, and the Kings right now is all about winning and trying to make a playoff push. So I wonder how long Harry Giles' leash is going to be I don't believe this Kings team, or I wonder how much this Kings team is going to be willing to sacrifice on the win side of things to give Giles enough time uh, to to inc- continue to develop at the pace that they want him to develop at. The answer, none. You can't you can't sacrifice one win. Like the the, the answer to you, none. The yeah. the the length of the leash. It's 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 a collar. If you know, if we're using the 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 leash example. And you know you refer to a dog. The dog doesn't even have a leash. You're just holding. You're just holding their collar with your hand. Like that's how short it is because you can't sacrifice wins anymore. And Kings fans, we we just talked about extensions, right? Financially, you can't sacrifice wins. The Western Conference, you can't sacrifice wins. You've got a Kings fan base with very very high expectations. You can't sacrifice one win for the development of any one player. Harry Giles has to be ready on September 27th when they walk into media day and on September 28th, that Saturday, September 28th, when they start practicing. He has to be ready that morning. Well, one thing is for sure, we're going to be keeping our eyes on Harry Giles throughout this entire season, amongst many other things that I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised at all if we're uh, speaking about him almost every single day uh, throughout this regular season on the Lock on Kings podcast and on the Sacramento Kings podcast. With the Hoop best Ball. Kings Damian. podcast, by the way, uh, on the market. Ooh. The, the creatively titled Sacramento Kings podcast presented well, by I mean, Hoop If Ball. you can grab that trademark, I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, oh, everybody man. knows what to expect when they when they get that, right? I could be locked on L.A. Hockey Kings. For, you could for be. Anybody. You very well or could. could be. Well, you, you, you'd throw everybody off with the purple and gray. That's true. Or the historical monarchy podcast. Ah, there you go. About, like, there King you go. George or something like that. Which should be my call sign now that I think about it. No, it shouldn't. Very much should not oh, be. All right. Always good stuff there with uh, Matt George of the Locked On Kings podcast. Uh, appreciate you giving this show a listen. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Sacramento Kings season is right around the corner, uh, as we just mentioned there at the closing of that conversation. Uh, we've got media day coming up on September 27th, and that first practice coming up Saturday morning, September 28th. So there's going to be a lot of Sacramento Kings coverage coming your way. Uh, make sure you tell all your Kings fans about this. Post it on all your different media boards, all of your different fan boards, all of your different forums, all of that different stuff. Tweet it out, share it, text it, do whatever you got to do. Just make sure, uh, particularly those on Apple Podcasts, please take a quick moment to subscribe. A split second, literally a split second to rate the show. Just hit that five-star button. And then uh, if you have a couple of extra minutes and you want to review the show, that would be pretty awesome as well. Greatly appreciate you listening today. We'll be back next week with more of the Sacramento Kings podcast here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network.